Welcome back to the podcast. This is Shari, Creative and Technical Director here at Ends for Faith. And since it's Friday, we are back in Keep the Fires Burning. And today's minor character is Hanan. So before we jump into that, I just want to talk a little bit about Evidence for Faith here and what we do. So if you've been following this podcast, you know very well by now that we are completely donor supported. We don't charge people to hear the gospel or to get into the Bible or get any of the information that we put out. Um, that's something that Michael was very uh, adamant about and that's very close to his heart that he never wants anybody to have to pay to hear the good news. So um, if you've really been enjoying our work here and we don't just do the podcast, we do videos, we publish online courses, um, we also do live events. Um, we actually will go to uh, any church that will have us or any group that will have us. I know Michael has spoken to a atheist club on occasion. <laughs> so we, you really, uh, any donation that gets sent our way really actually not only goes to help producing this podcast, but also helps us going out um, on missionary work to help uh, sh um, preach the gospel and show that God is real and that the Bible is real and can be trusted to other people. We also do some special trips. Our last trip, we had um, two students actually come to know Christ on that trip. Um, so every donation you send our way actually really goes to doing this work. Um, we are looking for one-time donors and monthly donors. Um, takes about $12,500 a month to help cover all of the salaries, infrastructure, um, and operations for us to run this ministry. And like I said, a lot of that money goes to cover our expenses just to go do some of the other work on top of the podcast. So if you'd like to become a donor, you can uh, go to evidenceforfaith.org slash give uh, to find out how different ways to give, or you can also click on the link in the description. So with that, uh, let's jump into Keep the Fires Burning and meet Hanan. Hello and welcome to Evidence for Faith. This is your host, Michael Lane, and we are in our series here, uh, the minor Bible characters and major lessons that they teach us. God has given us some very interesting minor characters, people we normally just sort of uh, read over without thinking about or studying very carefully. And this is a series that one shows you how you can do a Bible study. If you listen carefully how we're doing this, you can take a verse or a few verses and and what you do is you dissect it. You look at things carefully. And today our lesson is on Hanun. Now I know it's a character probably most of you said, who? Hanun. His story is in 2 Samuel chapter 10 verses 1 through 7. And um, this is a guy who just never seemed to get his facts straight. And we can learn a lot from this character that God has given us. But to begin with, I want to start by telling you a story that I heard Chuck Swindoll once do in one of his broadcasts. And it's also located in his ultimate book of illustrations. So let me just read this to you because it really sort of fits what we're going to see here um, in this character. It begins, when, when a fellow was getting ready to travel abroad, several people warned him to watch out for pickpockets when he got into a particular busy city. If he went down to the crowded subway, a pickpocket could grab his wallet and then get on the train, the doors would shut, and the pickpocket would be gone. So he determined to be very careful. One evening after arriving in the city, he was dressed casually in a sports coat. And he came to the crush of people down in the subway. Sure enough, just about the time the door opened and some people were pouring on, a fellow bumped up against him and he thought, hmm, that was strange. So he reached into his pocket and he didn't find his wallet. 
Well, he grabbed this fellow's coat just as the doors began to close and began to pull. Finally, he got the coat all the way out, even though the guy was struggling, and the door closed, and the fellow inside looked bewildered as the subway train then took off. Proud of himself, the guy thought, well, that showed him. But when he looked in the fellow's coat, he didn't find his wallet. Hmm, all that for nothing. But the story did have a happy ending. He found his wallet on his bureau at the hotel room. Humorous little, humorous little story, but the thing is, these kind of things do happen. We falsely accuse people, and we misinterpret sometimes little things. Um, well, in our story today, we have the story of Hanun. And let's, let's bid welcome to this young king from yesteryear, whose name, like I say, is Hanun. He was an Ammonite, the son of another king, King Nahash, who was a king during the time of uh, Saul and David. Now, the Ammonites were descendants of Abraham's nephew Lot by his incestuous relationship with his youngest daughter. Thus, they were of similar blood to the Hebrews. Even so, when the Exodus occurs, the Ammonites treated the Israelites very poorly. During the period of the Judges, they had invaded and fought the Israelites. Well, King Saul, when he becomes king at the end of the period of the judges, fought against them. However, David found refuge with King Nahash of the Ammonites when Saul was trying to kill him when he was on the run. Later, when David becomes king himself of Israel, Nahash makes an alliance with David. So naturally, when King Nahash died, David sent ambassadors to the funeral to honor his friend, but the new young king didn't believe them. Let's pick up the story. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1 through 7, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. After this, the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanun, his son, reigned in his place. And David said, I'll deal loyally with Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent his servants to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun, their lord, Do you think, because David has sent comforters to you, that he is honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? So Hanun took David's servants and shaved off half the beard of each, and cut off their garments in the middle, at their hips, and sent them away. When it was told David, he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Remain in Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth, uh, Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Maacah with 1,000 men, and the men of Tob, 12,000 men. When David heard of it, he sent Joab with all the host of the mighty men. Well, it continues in the scripture and stuff, and it doesn't end for the Ammonites. David conquers them all and, and slaughters many. You see, Hanun 
Though he just become king, had made the mistake of his life. He assumed the worst and didn't check his facts before launching his country into a disastrous situation. We look at this biblical character and may say, well, how could Hanun been so stupid? Well, actually, it's pretty easy to understand. We all make mistakes, just like Hanun did. So where did Hanun actually go wrong, and what can we learn from this passage that God has given us in the Scripture? Now, first of all, we must understand that Hanun was probably under some type of great stress during this time. After all, his dad had just died. Now, we we don't know what kind of relationship he had with his father, but he does make some really bad moves as the new king. This could indicate that he was grieving over the loss of his dad. And when one is grieving, one often does not make wise decisions. That's true. I have witnessed numerous times with families going through the grieving process. Oh, the stress is tremendous, and the grieving often makes people do and, and think unrationally. Here, Hanun makes one of the first decisions as being the new king, and boy, it is a blunder. It's a doozy. What can we learn from this part of the story? Is that when you are in a stressful situation, under a lot of pressure, think twice before reacting to any news. I know in my own personal life that I that my first gut reaction when something comes up, uh, a major situation comes up, is the exact opposite of what I should do. I'm still learning to withdraw to a quiet place to talk with God before reacting to some news or gossip with my gut feelings. I've, I've just, I'm still learning this. And I'm 64 and I'm still learning this. Because it's when I can get alone and in a quiet place, that's those peaceful moments, that's when the Holy Spirit can guide me. And he, he guides us. How? He re- helps us to recall scripture verses that give common sense and answers to us. That's one reason that studying Scripture is so important, memorizing Scripture is so important. So the Holy Spirit can use that when we come under spiritual attack. We need to know the Scripture. A second thing that we can learn from this passage is another major mistake, uh, or major lesson, not a mistake, but a major lesson of our life. What we need to do is we need to look carefully at how, um, how God tells us um, of the major mistake that Hanun does, what, what actually happened. Look carefully at what Hanun did. In verse 3 it reads, But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun, their lord, Do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he's honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy it out and overthrow it? Now here's the point. Look who's talking. Who's making the suggestion that David's ambassadors are spies? Oh, it's not the court officials who were the aide-de-camp to his dad, King Nahash. No, not them. Not these wise men who advised Hanan. It's his peers. His peers. The princes of Ammon were the guilty people spreading what? Rumors. Spreading gossip around. And Hanun listened to them, and then they manipulated him. You know that there's actually a law, a command from God in his law, stating that we're not supposed to gossip? It's in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. We read, You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. 
What can we learn from this aspect of the story that God's given us? Well, first, don't gossip. Period. Just don't gossip. I can't think of many times that I've ever heard of gossiping ever helping anyone. But I have heard numerous times of the damage it has caused in relationships. Uh, and being a teacher in high school and teaching college students over the years, I have seen this firsthand so many times I can't even begin to count. God even tells us in his law not to gossip. I mean, it doesn't get any plainer than that. Second thing that we can learn. We can learn from Hanan who we should take advice from. Oh, wait a minute, he, he took it from bad, bad source, yeah. But we can learn from this. When searching for advice, listen, your peers are often as inexperienced as you are in making this decision. No, many times they think they're experts. Again, teaching in high school, how many times I would see this with uh, high schoolers or middle schoolers and even college students. Um, they, oh my gosh, they go to their peers. Instead of going to someone older and wiser, and the, Hanun's not the only person that does this in the Bible. No, King Solomon's son, King Rehoboam, did the exact same thing. He didn't take the advice of the wise men that counseled his father Solomon. He listened to the friends he grew up with, his peers. That story is in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 6 through 15. As a matter of fact, just look at verse 8 of that passage. But he, Rehoboam, abandoned the counsel of the old men, uh, gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. So if you are searching for advice when you're young, particularly when you're young, you'll typically get better advice from older, wiser people than your peers. If you're contemplating marriage, I'm, um, we'll be marrying a, um, a number of people this summer, and I was just talking to one this past week and saying, okay, you're going to get married. You you're, live too far from me, but you need to be counseled for this wedding. I will send you materials. I will send you things to read and stuff, but you need to get an older couple um, at your church that and seek your pastor's help for this. Find an, a couple that are happily married, really living a godly life, and let them counsel you through a marriage, and you can always go back to them too once you're married. And so, looking for people who are older and wiser, not your peers, that's the best thing. I can't help but think that the men who advised Hanun, his his um, his father Nahash, his advisors, man, they must have been pulling their hair out by the roots at this rash and stupid decision that this young king has just made. A third thing we can learn from this lesson. Uh, this passage is how not to insult someone. You know, Hanun was convinced by his peers that David's ambassadors were there to spy on him, and he decides to add insult to injury in this ruinous judgment that he makes. Look at verse 4 of 2 Samuel 10. So Hanun took David's servants, shaved off half the beard of each, cut off their garments in the middle at their hips, and sent them away. Now, in ancient culture, and even today in the Middle East, this would be a grave insult. But added to this insult, Hanun ordered that the men's buttocks, I mean, just having their beard shaved is embarrassing enough, but to have their buttocks be exposed and sent them back on public roads that way that came, that would not only be embarrassing, but shameful. But that's how conquered people often led captives away if you study ancient military conquests and stuff. We know from archaeology and historians, the Assyrians, when they conquered Israel, marched many of their Jewish captives back to Assyria all naked to add to the shame and to the insult of being conquered. Well, there's a faith lesson we can learn from this part of the story. It's, um, and it's unfortunately one that um, 
we Christians, people who follow Jesus, uh, followers of God, we, we sometimes don't like to hear this, but if you're following God, if you are going to be a, um, a vocal Christian, which is what we're supposed to be, we're not supposed to be silent, hidden Christians, the thing is, um, we're often insulted. We're often shamed in public. We are. Um, I am many times. I've been attacked. Um, many times I, uh, I feel like Satan has got me in the, uh, the scope of his rifle with his, his um, scope just bearing down on me because I'm trying to damage and hurt his kingdom. Um, so we are going to happen. Uh, we're going to go through circumstances where we're going to get hurt. We're going to be insulted. I mean, Jesus was. Jesus said they insulted me. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. So if you're walking with God, just that's going to happen. But the thing is, we get blessed because of it. And God's kingdom gets expanded. So don't shy away from it. No. And you may recall that even Jesus, when he was crucified on the cross by the Romans, they added shame to his death. Do you recall that Jesus was crucified naked? Oh, I know in many paintings and stuff, they've always put a, a loincloth around him and stuff. But no, the Romans crucified you naked. Why? To add to the shame of um, the crucifixion, the shame to your death. And the first nation that ever crucified victims, as far as we know, were the Assyrians that did it as a capital punishment. And they, too, executed people without their clothing. Um, but like David told the ambassadors, hide in Jericho until you're recovered. God will usually hold us close while we are recovering. His Holy Spirit will comfort us. Um, that's what the apostles all went through. Um, also, there is truth to the old adage that time does heal many things. The rest of the story goes very bad for Hanun and the Ammonites, realizing their mistake too late. They go to war against David. Knowing that they are no match for this powerful man of God, they hire other nations to come to their aid only to be destroyed. Because there's just a fourth thing that we can learn from this event, and that is that we should apologize when we injure or insult someone. Yes, we should apologize. Once Hanun realized his mistake, he does not go and try to make amends with David. No. Instead, what's he do? He piles up more troubles on him, his people, and stuff by making David even more angry. How much better it would have been if the Ammonites, for the Ammonites, if, if Hanun had just simply gone to David, humbled himself totally in front of David. David was known for mercy when people came to humble before him. But Hanun tried to fix the problem himself by making other enemies of David come to his aid. This is really foolish. Yet I've seen the same thing with high school, middle school, and even college students. Sometimes they get into a personality fight with someone, and what someone will do, instead of apologizing because they've been gossiping or whatever, they will go and they'll find other ones that don't like that person, and they just add to the, the, the attack even more. We are not supposed to do that. Now, listen carefully. When you have erred greatly by slander or insulting someone, go to that person and humble yourself. Get rid of your pride. As they say, swallow your pride. Get rid of it. Ask for forgiveness and pray that they will forgive you. Now, sometimes they won't, and the relationship is permanently damaged. But you have done your part, and you never speak bad of them, and you just ask forgiveness, and you try to make amends. 
Hanun had that opportunity, and he failed to use it. How much greater of a king and a man he would have been if he had followed that advice? But he let his pride get in the way, and it led not only to his destruction, but also to the deaths of thousands of more. I got to tell you that as old as I am, I keep making mistakes too, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I made a blunder very similar to Hanun, and maybe you can learn by me telling you my blunder. This happened many years ago, back when I was teaching school in Illinois. It was the last couple of minutes um, of the school day, my last period class. It was a biology one class, and students were just completing the dissection lab we were doing, and um, I was looking at the clock, and I said, okay, we, it's time to start cleaning up because we're about out of time. So they were cleaning up and putting the scalpels and other instruments back into these bins, and each thing had been numbered. And when I noticed that one of the scalpels was missing, one of the numbered scalpels was missing, um, I became alarmed because now I have to explain this part of the story for this to all make sense. You see, just a few years before this, I had a student in that in a biology class that snuck a scalpel out of my room, went down to the washroom, and slit her wrist with it in an attempt to commit suicide. Because of that instance, I then numbered all of the instruments scalpels and things like this that were dangerous, I numbered them and kept them in bins so I could keep track of them so not to let someone give someone the opportunity of doing something foolish like that again. But now one of these items was missing. I asked the door to be closed and asked for the misplaced scalpel to be found. Who? I started off by saying, folks, we're, we're missing a scalpel. Look around the room, et cetera, et cetera. Who's got it? Um, can you find it? Is it on the floor or something? Nothing happened. No, they couldn't find anything. And I said, does anybody, have you accidentally put it in with your stuff, your lab book or something? Well, no one said anything. And I said, well, folks, I can't let you leave until the scalpel is found. I, but someone said, well, the buses are here. I said, I understand that. But I cannot let you leave until we get the scalpel. So someone has misplaced it. Just please put it back here. So pressure was now building on all of this. Um, the bell had sounded, the hallway was were filling with people, but my students were not allowed to leave yet. I kept them in the room. And then finally, I just said, oh, everybody go back to your table, dump your contents, your book bags and stuff out. I want to see what's here. Someone has got one. And we went through very quickly. I scanned through all the material of my students. It was still missing. Well, it was still short one, but I went ahead and dismissed the students instead of having them all miss their bus. And, uh, but as the students were going out of the room, one of my most trusted, one of the students that I had the most faith in, who seemed to me to be one of the most honest I had, stopped me on the way out, uh, stopped on her way out and whispered in my ear, she says, and I don't remember the name of the girl, I really don't, I'm just going to make up a name, we're going to call her Nancy, I have no idea what her name was offhand, but she says, I saw Nancy put the scalpel that you're, that's missing in her textbook and that she intended to steal it. Well, they're all gone. And now I was very stressed. And that the same instrument that got me into trouble, the same type of instrument, got me into trouble with so much before when the suicide attempt is now missing again. And now this student, and I don't remember her name either who was telling me this, but she relayed to me how she said that this Nancy girl had told her that she was going to steal it and that she did. 
Well, I didn't take time to think things out rationally. I didn't. What I do? I marched straight down to the principal's office, and I told him that this Nancy girl, or whoever, had stolen a scalpel out of my room. And he, too, remembered what had happened with a scalpel not long before, and he said, don't worry about a thing, I will take care of this. Well, I walked back down to my room and finished up my details in about a half hour or so, got in the car and started driving home. As I'm driving home, though, I had a nice drive through a beautiful state park um, on my way home to get to my house. And as I was driving down through this tranquil little area with hardly any traffic, I started to retrace the movements of Nancy in my class. It dawned on me. She couldn't possibly have taken the scalpel. Why? Because I remembered all of a sudden that during the dissection, she broke the blade in her scalpel. Thus, I had to replace it. And I had two different styles of scalpels. And this one I put a brand new blade in was one type. The one that is missing was a different type. So Nancy's scalpel could not have possibly been that. And as I was thinking more on this, I realized the last time I remember seeing anything about this, Nancy was over at the scalpel table um, putting putting her instruments in the bin. I did see her there. So... It wasn't her. Oh, my gosh. I felt terrible. I had trouble all night. I came home. My family noticed there was something wrong, told them what I had done. And they said, well, you should call the parents and stuff and call the principal. And I didn't. I foolishly didn't. I tried to make the problem just my own. And I was embarrassed now to to say something in front of my principal. And I was embarrassed to talk to the parent at first. So I decided I'd... I'll just handle it the next day. Oh, I didn't even sleep that night. I was so upset. But then I got to school the next morning. The principal called me into his office, and he said, Nancy's mother is very upset that I accused this Nancy girl of stealing, and she denies stealing the scalpel. I told my principal, well, don't worry about it, um, that um, it, it's, I tried to explain what happened, but he cut me short. And he said, don't worry, I will take care of this even if I have to expel her. Oh, I was just feeling terrible. And I told him, okay, hold on, hold on. I have made a major mistake. I know she could not have done this. And then I recalled what I remembered now to him. It had to be someone else. Well, he uh, had a huge sigh of relief because he knew this girl too, this Nancy or whoever, He knew her very well, too, and he says, I just could not believe she would do this. But because you're one of my teachers, I had your back. And he says, I'm so happy that you've come forward with this. But now, and I I apologized over and over to him. I'm so sorry I put you into this situation. He says, well, now, that's fine. He says, we're okay. You need to call the parents, and you need to talk to to the girl. And so I did right then. He says, use my office. Here's my phone. There's the number. Go ahead. And I dialed, and... I apologized to the mom. She said she forgave me. Um, I don't think she did, but she at least said she did. Um, then I sought out the girl, and I found her over at her locker, and I said, "Can you? I want to talk to you. Well, she didn't want to talk to me. I said, please come over here. There's something I need to tell you. And so she came over. We walked over, and she was just so defiant in her stance and everything. And I said, I want to apologize. I know you did not take this. I falsely accused you off of gossip. It, it, I am so sorry. I apologize. I said, is there something I can do to help in all this? And 
you know, I'm begging your forgiveness. I said, I'm really sorry. This has hurt, hurt our relationship. I hope this can, we can mend this. And she said verbally, well, I forgive you, but she never really did for the rest of the, the year. She was just as cold to me as, as uh, an ice cube. She just never talked to me or anything. Our relationship was totally damaged, but at least I did do the right thing at the end. Hanoon could have done the same thing. You see, I look back and now I see I did the exact same thing Hanoon did and Rehoboam did. Um, I didn't check out the facts very carefully. And under stress, under the thoughts of what had happened and what might happen, I didn't think clearly. I made a rash decision, and it was a very, shall I say, stupid decision that I regret to this day. So what can we learn? Don't listen to gossip. Check things out. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. And that may be one of the reasons why God gave us this story is to help teach us these kind of lessons. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time that we have here and that we've gone through this. And I just pray as being human, we're going to jump to conclusions. We're often going to make mistakes. We're going to not think rationally. Help us, Lord, not to make gut reactions like that, but to think things through clearly and let your Holy Spirit work upon our minds and our hearts before we make stupid decisions like I have done. And Lord, may we all learn from this, um, from your word, and maybe some people will learn from my mistake also that I did. But Lord, I just open this up to you. Help us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining me for this lesson. I hope you enjoyed this one, and I hope you'll tune in for the, another one um, on our website. We have a lot of other programs on the website. Please feel free to look at them. Our materials are free. Go ahead, download and everything. We just want to get the Word of God out there. And we'd love to hear from you, so you can make a comment if on our website. We'd love to hear. Um, and also, if we'd love to have... Uh, you pray for our ministry, that it will continue to be operating free um, to get the Word of God out. Since salvation is offered to us for free, we're trying to make all this available for free, too. Um, and just asking for God to supply us donors and supporters to help us to pay our costs and stuff to do this. But our whole ministry here is based on proving who Jesus is and to further his kingdom and to glorify him. So until we meet again, take care and God bless. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to our donors who make this program possible. Evidence for Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry based in the USA. You can support this broadcast by donating online using the links in the description. And don't forget to leave us a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.